Matthew at Summit. Uh, is that my name in this in this product? I think my name is actually Amiable Keynote. That's your name when you send out emails. For really? a professional. That's that's what it says. <laughs> and it makes me want to set, uh, start every email to you, Matthew, comma, and then something important. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate the the uh, the respect. I am older now. I had my birthday uh, this past week. Oh yeah! Congrats. Yeah. Thank you, Tracy from Tiny Seat, for letting us know. <laughs> she she's the Facebook of Slack, the tool that true, tells that everyone when someone's birthday is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's a Slack bot for birthdays. <laughs> oh, if you're listening, Tracy, we um, we mean only the best, and we appreciate it because it's fun. So, <laughs> I am older. Speaking of um, of Tiny Seed, I uh, I posted a picture in the Tiny Seed Slack of uh, my son in a Tiny Seed body thing. Um, pretty cute that they sent, um, and I was wearing my tiny seed t-shirt as well so he's basically ready for his first term sheet i think <laughs> uh from tiny seed yeah it's a micro seed tiny, yeah. tiny seed <laughs> we will fund your elementary education yeah exactly <laughs> um might as well like when everyone's working from home or s- schooling from home mm-hmm. yeah um news um there's a thing going on relating to tiny seed i guess um sas podcast awards um we've been told um Mm -hmm. and it's important to us that someone nominates us that's right we're we're not otherwise it's gonna be embarrassing yeah yeah to to not even be nominated (laughs) yeah yeah please nominate us that's right and this is just nominations at the moment. So it's just getting into the bracket system, just having a spot yeah. in the tournament. Yes. Yeah. And I think we deserve that. Um, Thank you for being assertive. <laughs> I wasn't going to be so bold, but I, I, I think we deserve SAS, it too, I guess. Yeah. SASPodcastAwards.com. I just, I mean, if you appreciate Matt and I, just spam them. You know, submitted like oh man seven times, um, something like that. We need it, I think. Um, well, you know, Ben, um, Ben and Derek, they had Rahul on, and I think that's when they peaked um, in terms of new subscribers. Yeah, but we're still growing. We're still growing, and like our our episodes are longer. Um, yep, and we have we, um, we have theme music. Yeah, exactly. Um, so nom- nominate us um, yeah. a few times if you have nothing else to do. We really right. appreciate it. Yep. Um, and yep. we'll be back when you have to vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to be fair, they should nominate out of beta and art of beta. Really, they should nominate both. <laughs> out of product. Out of product and art of beta. <laughs> art of beta um <laughs> yeah they should um uh, did you listen to bill gates new podcast no what but it's the not D- about D- sass D- but it, they should nominate it as well because it's really good 
Um, Does he still fall under the indie category? I mean, he did own forty. He owned forty nine point two percent of Microsoft when they went public, and that is a that's a lot of ownership at at the moment of IPO. I mean, that's a not quite indie levels, which is like ninety nine to a hundred, but that's pretty good for a venture funded company with co founders. I think they fund strapped it right. They did. They didn't. They didn't raise a lot of money. I mean, so no. actually, I think what we're saying is Microsoft was an indie bootstrapped company, pretty yep. much. Yep. Just a slightly more ambitious, um, and Ambition. more like Steve Ballmer influence than any of us has. Yeah, I, I, we're not going to sign up for for Ballmer influence other than the <laughs> bomber the Ballmer peak. That's the only. Yeah, that's how Ballmer we do I it every in. day. <laughs> what are we going to talk about today? Well, Bill Gates podcast. Okay, it's really good. They had Tony Fauci on their first episode. That's how you know it's good. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. And some people said he, and maybe this is why, they said that he seems more relaxed these days. Which which one of them? Fauci. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's been a change in leadership. Um, yeah. Have you ever had that? that? Yeah. It's like that day on your job where you find out that you're, your boss is either changed departments or moved on. <laughs> yeah, it might be something like that. Okay, yeah. podcast. Um, I uh, I I want to start because I um, I feel like I have some stuff to follow up on from last time. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster week, but um, what has been really cool is all the people that reached out to me in the last week. Like, apparently, some people are listening here. Was that a yeah. Har- Harvard cop you just took a sip from? It is. Wow, are you an alum? No, I I'm you were not. In Chicago. I did go to Chicago, and uh, Chicagoans um, have very particular feelings. Uh, Maroons have very particular feelings about Harvard, uh, but I have a mug because I took my daughter to to tour a couple of college campuses, um. somewhat recently, <laughs> and. Of course, she toured MIT and Harvard while we were in town uh, in Boston. Um, but she doesn't want to go to Harvard. She said even if they accept her, she plans on turning it down. And good. I, I kind of feel like out of spite, that's just fine. You know, uh, Chicago is better anyway, is my thought. Uh, but sorry, no offense to all the Harvard alumni listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you need to go to Harvard and, ju- and drop out and start a startup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing; they can't even keep the successful ones around. <laughs> what does right. that What does that say? I mean, yes, right. Uh, so, anyway, um, yeah. Anyways, um, a lot of people reached out to me, and it's been interesting. Like, yeah, I thought that was the outpouring of support was um, both genuine and uh, a sign of our audience is both listening and really taking it in and caring. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It, it was people in like the bootstrapper kind of community DMing me and emailing me. And it was people from like the more like Danish startup community. And it was people from the WordPress community. And even like today when I was doing some of these, um, or I was doing a call with, with an agency and they turned out to be a listener and really liked the podcast. And it's just been weird. Like at least, one time every day like someone has like reached out to me about the podcast um 
I also sent out investor update last week and got a bit of response to that um, because obviously going through a bit of a rough patch, I guess, um, even though I keep being optimistic about things, um, it's not always as easy. Um, yeah, so I kind of want to give an update to that. Um, basically, where we left our hero, <laughs> which is me. I was trying to figure <laughs> out basically what's... <laughs> sorry. You're not this supposed is, to be narrating yourself. Yeah. This is, this is better than when I called myself the Ernest Hemingway of podcasting, right? <laughs> Allow myself to introduce. <laughs> In all modesty. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <clears throat> I'll try one more time. Yes. Um, I was trying to figure out basically what's the missing piece. And I guess the working hypothesis is you know we're 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 keeping the the market and we're, we're basically keeping wordpress agencies constant and trying to figure out what's the missing piece like and basically what i think what became obvious to me is like maybe deployment is like one of five pain points or annoying things that people have to deal with or problems they have but maybe it's number 4 or 5 on that list and then maybe it's just not enough of a pain for people to um, engage enough with the product to mm. actually solve their problem. <laughs> so it might just not be worth the investment uh, in mm. their minds. Um, That's interesting. And the working, the working yeah. hypothesis was something along the lines of like, maybe problem one or two is within reach with our current product. Um, and it's something I really was wanting to explore and with the new basically stuff we built you know the hosting integration feature it would be pretty easy for us to build some of those features that in my mind i thought maybe could be the thing um so in my mind like the next step was to start of course talk to people but iterate on the product and mm -hmm. get some feedback and just keep doing that um but our friend derek pushed back really hard on that and that um, was basically how this last week ended, I guess, was I had a session with Derek and he, um, you know, he's launching SavvyCal now and he took a very structured approach to that uh, up and to the right <laughs> um, where he he didn't take anything for granted. Like he he did a lot of customer interviews and he really adopted the whole mom test framework of not trusting people um, and really trying to understand what, what they're saying and why they're saying that and what that actually means. And if they're lying, like if they're actually, if it's trustworthy, like the stuff that they're saying. Um, so he gave me like a brief, basically strategy session about like, basically he was saying, it might be too it might take too long for you to figure this out if you built <laughs> if your approach is like built and then get some feedback and then repeat um so he thought it it, it was important to really double down on having conversations with people um which led me to do 
two things. First of all, compile a list of people who I already had in kind of in my th- sphere. Um, so customers and previous customers and um, people who signed up but never activated in branch um, to reach out for like a conversation or an interview. And the other thing I did was I tweeted this out and I was really surprised with the response to that. Um, I think 23 people replied back from people who worked at agencies that they were willing to talk to me, which is feels like such a nice spot to be in that you could just like go on Twitter and then 23 people are just lined up, like ready to talk to you. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's killer actually. And just this week I have 12 calls scheduled. Um, that's basically all I'm going to do this week is like have calls, mm. um, which is a lot. It's a lot of meetings um, besides the usual stuff in one week. Um, but that's basically the plan right now is like I have a long list of things related to workflow that I want to understand how these people work. And I want to understand what tools they're using already, what they've done to like solve some of those challenges that they might describe they paid for any tools or you know basically looking for any indication that they actually care about something and have tried to like come up with a solution and to try to basically tease out their willingness to pay as well mm-hmm. um so where i'm at with that is i had three calls today and um it's already becoming pretty interesting um it's scary in a sense because like you might learn something that's uncomfortable but it's also really, really interesting. And it feels like, like there's just so much, tr- like there's, there's a truth, like some truth out there that I will find, I guess, like if I talk to enough people, it's, it feels, it just feels good to know that I might, like no matter what, I'll learn something. And mm-hmm. once I know more, like I can make the right decision about uh, what the next steps are. Um, so that's kind of like where I'm at right now. That's that's the new plan. I like it. I mean, just to go back to basics for a second, what's the, what's the metric or the lack thereof that really was underlying this restlessness? Or is, is it conversions? Is it... You know, if there were 10 people on Twitter right now saying, I love Branch, I'm obsessed with it, would that, would that make you feel a lot better? Or would that still be like, well, but you're not paying for it. So that's not... No, no, it's not a it's not a conversion. Uh, that would make me feel a lot better. It's uh, activation. Okay. So basically, hmm. most people, like most people right now just sign up and don't do anything. And what I kind of like touched at last time was they cared enough to solve this problem that we we offer to solve for them. They would loudly complain that they couldn't figure it out or respond to my email when I reached out to like help them figure it out. Um, and basically what I'm starting to worry a little bit is like that they don't care enough. Um, but I think... I think they care. 
And I think there's a reason why people sign up for Branch every day and search for a solution like this. It's just that what we currently offer isn't isn't enough because it's like, like if you have five problems and this solves 25% of your problems or 50% of your problems, but it's the bottom half or the bottom quarter of your problems, like you, you're going to reprioritize. You're going to go back and like try to solve the most important problem, most likely. Um, and I think like I had a, a call today with my new investor, Soren, and he pointed me to a tool in the iOS space called Fastlane. And it's basically everything like a developer needs, like workflow wise, like helps you provision new projects, help you hmm. sign your code before uploading to the app store, helps you deploy to the app store. Like it just all the like and each of these things, like there's something you can do on your own and they aren't huge pain points, but like it's all the little things and it's bundled into one thing which makes it really convenient. And I think that's potentially a direction we need to go in is like, you know, bundle all these different yeah. tools that people are using into one tool. So it it's like an no-brainer to use a tool that does everything for you. Um, huh. But it's still a hypothesis. <laughs> Yeah, it does seem pretty similar in terms of the pitch. I mean, meaning the, yeah. the value it's offering people. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah, and you said it was super popular in the iOS community. I'd never heard about it. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, There's two interesting learnings so far, actually. Um, I feel like one of them is more like almost philosophical. Um, but it just something occurred to me today uh, when I did those three calls. Um, when I thought about a WordPress agency, I thought of it in a very static way. Like, okay, it's a four-person agency in whatever city. And that's, okay, so everything, like when I thought about Branch as a product that solves uh, pain for them, like in my mind, I'm thinking about a four-person WordPress agency. And I kind of like expected them to think of Branch as a solution to them being a four-person agency. And the thing that uh, was interesting was that every one of them, all on all three calls, they they talked about basically one of the things that they liked about a tool like Branch was when they were thinking of themselves as a growing agency, they knew that what they had right now was working technically, but they knew that it wouldn't scale and they had ambitions to grow their agencies. And they, one of the reasons why they're curious about a tool like Branch is when they think about growing their agencies, they know that they need more standardization and more processes. Mm -hmm. And it actually is interesting because it kind of explains why they aren't activating because they're looking a step ahead to see like, what would it take for us to, become a growing agency and have more developers and grow up and have more grown up tools. And what does these tool looks, tools look like? Um, which is like, I don't know that it necessarily changes anything about the product, but it, it's an interesting spin basically on our document or our um, messaging that it's essentially 
like a, a tool that you gr- can grow with um, mm. or it can help you grow your agency because it's aspirational is what yeah I mean. it's aspirational and like yeah. obviously like these are little businesses that hope to grow mm. like any other business hmm. and it's just something that i hadn't really thought about but it, it was something they all brought up on their own that's really interesting um yeah aspirational it, which is very different than than solving a pain yeah it's the dream <laughs> Yeah, you're you know you're you're selling a, a dream, and they're buying into that, and it's a very different pitch. And man, we get so people are so obsessed with pain points and solving pain points, and it like aspiration and pleasure and feeling. Uh, we hardly ever talk about those. I think we're afraid that they're not meaningful enough, or like you can't build a business off of those. But I think that's totally false. I think we just don't, you know, it's, it's so magical to create something that does those things that we, we like, we'd rather just talk about pain. Right. But yeah. Yeah. Like I could see us communicating this, like in our pricing right now, it's like, it's kind of stupid. Like, and I know actually Derek, I remember Derek writing a blog post once about how he hated, like he felt like some pricing models were basically condescending because they were like named hobby and stuff like that we have a hobby plan actually (laughs) um because Mm, it's implying mm -hmm. stuff about the customer and um our like entry tier is called freelancer but they're not a freelancer when they start out they're just a small agency and i think actually there's an opportunity to like communicate that we understand this aspirations or aspiration to grow like in our pricing, like by naming the pricing, something like where it's obvious, like you start here and then you grow into this large successful agency. And I think it's kind of like similar to when ConvertKit, like when they upgrade your account to a more expensive tier, like they send you a congratulatory email, which is funny, right? Mm. Because you're going to pay more, but it's because you're more successful because you have more subscribers. So they, they want to celebrate it. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um, I found that very interesting at least and it made me think um, a little bit just slightly different about our product mm-hmm. um, the other thing that's kind of emerging is something that again Derek um, kept pushing um, me to think about and it's something we actually it's one of the first features I thought of for branch, but it's also one of the most difficult ones to build. But basically it's the the feature that Netlify has where they allow you to preview a deployment um, based on the branch. So if you push a branch to GitHub, you can deploy that branch to its own site. So it's nice, like if you're doing client work and you open up a pull like each developer open up a pull request when they work on a feature and you get to see what that actually looks like and send it to the client it's not something that's available within wordpress um, pantheon one of the hosting companies they have a, a confusing complicated version of this that we actually integrate with with branch and, and make it pretty easy to do stuff like this um, but for the other hosting companies it's not something that exists um and the interesting thing was that this is so like this is so 
far away from what we have right now and from what people expect from a deployment solution. Right, right. So they don't, they would never bring it up themselves. But when I asked them, like I just, the, the question I asked was, have you ever used Netlify? And have you seen the deploy preview feature they have? And it just got them talking. And especially one of them, like he, he said something I liked. He said, to me, like I could probably figure out like some sort of way to do this or like at least he didn't care that much, but he said he knew it was a huge pain point for his business partner who was basically the business person in this agency because he's responsible for um, interfacing with the clients and in their setup, the only way they can deploy to the staging site is when they push uh, or they merge it into the master branch. For a lot of people, it's the staging branch, but the same idea. And then the problem is if you merge everything into the master branch and you show it to a client and they're like, yeah, that's great. Like the menu over there, let's 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 do that. Um, but that form over there, let's not deploy that. Like you can't really hmm. just deploy part of it. Like so ideally, like they would want each feature that they're working on as its own staging site so that the client can preview preview it and once they say go on one of the features they just click merge and it gets deployed um and f like so the nice thing about that is it it's that was no longer like a developer workflow issue like that was something that was a client issue and a business issue for them um which I think is nice when it's something you try to charge for. Um, I'm really curious about this space because it's a big innovation. It's a hard problem to solve. Um, but I feel like we have, like if anyone can do it, like we have the platform to do it already. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a huge advantage if we wanted to try to tackle this. Um so I'm really curious. Like I still, as I said, I have nine calls left just this week. I'm really curious to hear more people um, what they think about this. Because um, overall, like the idea I got was most of the problems they had weren't big enough on their own that they would pay for a solution for them. But thinking about like having everything bundled into one tool is when it might become worth it. Because... Yep everything is more standardized and streamlined. Yeah, I mean, and this gets to something I was thinking about regarding activation last week was that I think too often we approach it as a, we confuse activation and onboarding and think of activation as like a one, two, three sequential problem where they've done one, they've done two, but they haven't done three yet. And so, you know, we we need to get them to do three and then they'll be activated. And I think that's sort of wrong when you have, so just a different mental model to consider is the idea of thresholds and that no individual thing, you know, threshold problem, you know, no individual thing is enough and no individual you know, is enough pain and no individual solution is enough uh, relief but yeah but there's a threshold where it's if it crosses that and you see this you see this in human life when somebody is suffering from some 
issue or pain or malady or whatever. And it's not like, okay, now I can't, I don't know, whatever, throw baseball as hard as I used to because my right shoulder hurts. Now I'm not sleeping as well as I used to because my right shoulder hurts. Okay, now I can't, you know, drive long distances because if I do, you know, my right shoulder really starts to hurt or something like that. Like eventually there's like enough of these pains, but they all have the same root and they're like, well, now, now I'm finally going to go to the doctor and go through that cost of that surgery or whatever it is to fix the underlying problem. And I think sometimes as product people, we have a product that can solve many isolated pains and problems, but we haven't crossed that threshold yet. And therefore there's not that activation happening. They're like, yeah, I've got, I can't throw the baseball and I can't, you know, can't do the car ride one more thing hasn't happened so you have a choice you can either address other pains or yeah just sit there waiting and this is where i think it's it's a funny thing because if the the conventional wisdom is oh you know one more feature isn't going to solve anything but in a threshold you know uh problem one more feature actually might (laughs) might do it because because you suddenly cross that line right yeah i mean it's the straw that broke the camel's back yeah exactly we have all kinds of adages for this as well and it's just it's funny though because we want to find like that killer app or that killer use case or that extreme pain point or whatever and it's like look not every person goes in for surgery because their right arm has fallen off sometimes it's like there's enough minor pains that they they go through with it and they adopt a new way of living, a new medicine, a new drug, a new lifestyle, a new surgery, whatever it is to solve this whole kind of bundle of pain. And even, yeah. you know, legendary Jason Cohen, like what was it? It was it was speed, security, and stability, if I'm getting that right. Yeah. It wasn't just speed or security or stability. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's like, a, that's a really lot of, fast, but it like breaks half the time. Is like Yeah. And so that's that's a lot of features to build to be able to say that it's all three of those right and maybe if it was one it wouldn't be enough so to some extent i feel like we're still even figuring out that that triad or that yeah you're trying to score every feature and understand like what's the the sum of the features yeah well there's just not always a there's not always a one thing that, no, it's true. that does it you know and even with summit right now i'm seeing some people come in and they love the modeling some people come in and they just look at the dashboards some people come in and they you know um let's see this dashboards modeling some some of them are connecting their stripe account or their you know their bank account and it's like that's okay you know it's a different it's kind of a different things to different people for a while yeah like if you're a wordpress site ma- you might get wp engine because you have a you know, you don't want to be responsible for the security aspect because you don't have a lot of scale and you don't have a lot of speed, you know? Yeah, this is like branding as well. Like you don't love a brand or know about a brand just because you heard about it one time. Mm. Like you need, I don't know, like 60 touch points or whatever before you're convinced or Mm -hmm. it's like that with many things. But I think it's definitely an interesting way for me to think about it because there is a lot of, as I said, like aspiration and also just like interest. Like we have, like marketing does not seem to be the bottleneck because people sign up every day. And when they do that, it's like, 
we got them this far, but like for some reason we didn't get them that far. So it's interesting to think of it that way. Like it might just it might just be that there is just not enough little pains and cumulative that's a big enough pain that they thought they should go through with this. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting to yeah, learn I'm... this stuff and it's interesting to talk to people. Yeah. No, it, for sure. I think you'll, like you said, you'll definitely come away with fresh insights and, you know, you'll know what not to do <laughs> at the very least. Um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, anxious yeah. to see how, hear how that goes. In other news, like just when I needed it on Friday, mm. um, one of our agencies um, basically were the first um, customer to run out of the or grow out of our fifty or forty nine dollar tier mm. and upgrade to our one forty nine, and that was like the best thing that could happen just before the weekend. Yes, <laughs> felt so good, and it's like in my mind at least. And I think for an agency, like $49, like we pay $49 for stuff that we don't really use. Um, we don't pay $149 for something we don't use. Like that's enough that you, that's enough you do you think about it. Like it, it stands out enough in your statement that you actually want to make sure that it's providing some value. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing that we talked about. Like when they signed up for branch, it wasn't worth 149 for them but in the past few months like they've run a lot of deployments and they've added three or four developers uh to their team and they basically they 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 hit the threshold of 10 projects or sites and they've just slowly like made branch more valuable for themselves over the past few months by using it a lot and investing a lot of time into it. And then, you know, finally, like it was valuable enough that they thought that mm. it was worth paying 149 a month for it. And Sweet. it just feels really good. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Great validation. And when you know that it was a good purchase, you know, they're not going to re you're not going to ask for a refund tomorrow, right? Like, no, that'd be strange. <laughs> no, I mean, but it, it you know, sometimes there's that imposter syndrome almost that creeps into people signing up or buying. I know at least for me, people will sign up and pay. And I'm always worried like, oh no, yeah, do, they really, do they really need to? You know, are they going to can't, are they going to regret it? Are they going to, are they going to be happy? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I worry about that, you know? Right. Uh, and so, but you know, having that confidence that they're, that they're a good fit. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I've had that a lot with WP Pusher, especially in the beginning. Um, but in the reality, like it's having a refund policy is like typically really cheap. <laughs> like most people yeah. don't take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cool. Especially when it's a big ticket price, like you, th- you think about it. For sure. Cool. Yeah. So I guess that's that's going on right now. I'm excited to have a lot of meetings. <laughs> yeah 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 well if, if you have a lot of meetings and you're excited about it that's great <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> yes. well, when the last part isn't true that's uh that's a nightmare um yeah but it happens so good man what's what's going on with you um good question i am 
onboarding. I always ask good questions. Yeah, yeah. I'm onboarding some new um, some new users uh, who are kind of I would say stress testing might be a good way to put it, but really testing the limits of what Summit can do, and that's a good huh, thing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, one of them has so many subscriptions. So okay, that that is like a like literally a stretch of like what it can do just the standpoint of like yeah okay this table has you know over fifty thousand subscriptions in it now and um okay wow that's a lot you know so yeah so there's that but then there's also when you're when that scale of business the needs you have from a modeling standpoint are just more um just more complex you know and you know it's it's interesting though i I struggle to invest. I struggle to want to invest the time when I do invest the time and it works and it's going well. It's it's the it's a great feeling. Honestly, though, it is hard as a solo founder to invest time in onboarding individual users because I do sometimes feel like I'm not getting anywhere. It, it's it's like a hard to breathe kind of feeling of like yeah. this is this is great for you, you know, but like. I'm not going to build. I'm not going to build a great business this way. And so, what I what I am having to do is, as I make the product good enough for these individuals, I'm trying to do it in a way where, hey, there's a feature now that didn't exist before, or hey, this does this now, and you're happier. But everybody else gets it too. And so, I'm trying to stay product oriented, even though the temptation is to be consulting and just getting it done. And trying to stick to my principle of like process over results. The result might be they're onboarded, but the process was I did a bunch of, you know, I wrote a bunch of insert statements on the back end or whatever other hackery to get this thing done. And I, you know, it's um it's not that I don't want them to be thrilled and delighted and become paying customers, but that outcome to me is not exciting if I do it by, you know, hacking some way of making it work for them and then where does it go from there you know it's just not so it's it's hard i'm trying to be um a good host and concierge in that sense but i also know they've got but also work on the product at the same time they're like hey can we be onboarded like faster <laughs> you know, like they, they don't care yeah. necessarily how the work is done they just want the results so um that's Are you the I, salesperson that where everything is possible and you just offload it to the development team to figure it out? Oh, I've always been that guy. Um, <laughs> but uh, fortunately, you're the developer as well. I'm here. the developer as well, so I feel like I have carte blanche to do that. I I <laughs> did tell um, I did tell someone. I've been telling people recently, like, no, it doesn't do that yet. But you know, that's that's in the plans. Um, so I'm willing to say that with a couple of these, the ones that I'm onboarding, it is very possible. It's just, hey, we don't use Stripe. We use X. Well, man, you know, when they when they try out the product and they say, I've never seen anything like this. And I've been looking at all of your, you know, all of your competing products or products in your space. And like yours is the only one that appears to do what we're looking for. Like that puts a yeah. lot of that puts a lot of motivation in me and wind in my sails to say, okay, I 
these people know what you, to say. You get it and you know what to say. Um, but really, when they say that, they're like, it's because I can do this. And wow. And, and I feel this click of you really understand the approach. You're excited about using it. Of course, I should work on the little things that are going to make it work for you. Um, I just got to do that in a way that doesn't distract me from making it work for a lot of other people, right? So that's um that's a real tension. And I what I'm what I'm actually saying is I'm trying to stand up for the developer in me and say, hey Matt, we're not just going to get this deal done, right? We're not just going to onboard this one customer this week, right? And the answer has to be, you're right. I'm not. Even if it means disappointing this person in terms of they wanted, you know, they would like to be done this week. I'm going to be willing to say, this is what I've accomplished this week for you. But I did it in a way where, so let me give you an example. I installed a, um, I added a feature where you can upload subscription data from a spreadsheet, which means you don't have to connect Stripe. You can connect, you, you, I mean, you can take an export from, Charge B, Recurly, Revenue Cat, PayPal, Amazon, whatever billing or merchant you use, merchant processor, and um, upload your subscriptions, which then in Summit, you can do retention analysis and uh, some other cool stuff. And I decided to release that as a feature where you can upload your spreadsheet because that's what this customer has. They don't use Stripe. So rather than, I could have written a database script to import the spreadsheet that they gave me, but I said, I want to do a front end feature where people can upload instead. And it took an extra, I don't know, probably took an extra three or four hours, but, uh, I feel a lot better about it now, you know? So you, you take the spreadsheet and import it for them, but I did. So as a compromise, I did take the spreadsheet and I imported it for them, but I use my own front end upload tool to do the uploading for them. But I built that tool. So, so the way it actually worked. importing. Uh, correct. So I wrote the feature that does the importing based on the spreadsheet. And then I took okay. their I took their file, which had a, you know, a ridiculous number of rows in it. <laughs> and I went yeah. through and I broke it apart into 5,000 row chunks and imported it. But I used the used the front end feature that I built to do that, as opposed to, you know, I could have uploaded the file to S3 or something and written a script to insert that data into the database or blah, but that would never, nobody else could ever use that, right? So, so the way that other people can use it is they have a place where they can upload their own spreadsheet. Yep. Then you can grab it and run your script on it. Or... Actually, actually, I automated that part too. So now anybody that oh, okay. wants to upload. So there's no, no involvement from you. That's right. Yep. So if you have a spreadsheet oh, of subscription neat. data, yeah, you can upload it and it automatically goes to the back end and inserts so you map you know, like the fields to the right fields and summit and stuff like that yeah it does the mapping as well so it doesn't matter what your columns are it the, all the mapping is built into the to the feature i built so you can assign the wow. column mapping and everything yeah so that that's cool that felt good yeah and it felt good that i was able to do that again it took an extra half day but being able to do that in a way that you know was scaled as a solution that other people benefit from maybe feel really good um so it, it's it's hard though because I want them to be using the product more right away, and I don't want to lose their what am I trying to say? I don't want to lose their engagement. You know, I'm afraid. No, <laughs> part of me, part of me is like the momentum. Yeah, exactly. Part of me is like, oh no, I don't want them to 
say, you know, why is this taking so long? My CEO really wanted us to have a working financial model this week, and it's Thursday now, and you failed. You know, I, I feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, the product is not feature complete, and so what am I going to do? You know, I, uh, I have to do something, and and so these are, I should say, these both of these uh, clients are like in the willing to pay camp, and so. Where I'm stre- where I'm uh, uh, stretched is with people who are doing millions in revenue, which they both are, and they have a working model that they're already using. They've usually got some amount of custom logic in there or some way of looking at things, and I, I it is work to, you know, translate it into Summit or, like I said, figure out a way to do that translation automatically um it, it's it's yeah so it's it's hard i yeah but it is it is what it is i i, I want to be what really where the reason it's a struggle is i in my heart i want to be working on an accounting integration you know that's going to benefit everybody you know or. yeah <laughs> well i, I want to work on that instead because that to me is like an even bigger product pillar yeah and it's missing and so, but opportunity knocks, you know, I, I'm very much an entrepreneur that wants to answer the door. So I, 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 I'm trying to do both right now and I'm a little stretched. That's a long way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing when you're a small team, yeah, a tiny, a really small team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what I've been up to. Um, well, it sounds like progress though. It is, and I, 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 people are um, spending more and more time in the product, and what I mean by that is like people are act, people are definitely activated. I've got activated users. I mean, um, I have enough analytics to know you know active session times, and across all registered users, the session length is like half an hour, which is pretty amazing. That's quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, like, and and there's there's more people like i can't keep track of all the people who are spending over an hour in the product you know wow right yeah so i know monetization is not rolling yet but that 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 free usage is um it has me pretty excited i mean there's people who have actually been <laughs> there's uh you know thanks to intercom and some other tools i know like how many sessions people have had over the last period um I mean, some people have actually used the product 20, 30, 40, 50 times in the last 30 days. Wow. Which, right, like, that, that, you know, that's that's something. That's, that's isn't that kind of weird, almost? It's, it's... Are you do something like, sketchy in there? <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't... Or something? It violates the theory that financial modeling is something people only do, you know, once every 18 months and therefore you know, a financial modeling tool isn't something people would use all the time. I actually think it, it corroborates my belief that founders are constantly modeling in their heads. I listened to a podcast today. It was a Danish podcast, um, but um, it's basically building like a Danish version of, or it's not Danish, but it's a Danish startup. They're building a version of Moss, I guess, um, like an mm. SEO tool. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about like, 
they do budgets all the time, and especially this year with COVID, because they're cash flow negative company because they're fund to startup. So like they need to keep they need to look at their budget all the time, and like every time they talk to their investors, like they expect them to have some sort of budget. Mm. But not only like they were describing some of the pain points that you're solving with Summit, and it was just so interesting to just like he was basically just making the pitch for Summit, but he didn't know Summit existed. <laughs> yeah. So he's like. Like one of the pain points he described is like they like they he he could do like a you know just bread and butter like old school budget that he's pretty confident that he can you know basically that's how it's gonna play out. Mm -hmm. But he also like he's he's a funded startup, so he also wants to do like a more aggressive one mm -hmm. um, with like his dream outcome for the year. And when he does that, like his investors don't really understand that that's the the purpose of that budget. Mm. So like then like last year, for example, he did that and then he came in at like 70%, which is like was really exciting to him. <laughs> and his, <laughs> yeah. his, his investors sentiment was like, well, last year you only hit 70% of your budget or your goals. So like we don't really trust like your uh, whatever yeah, yeah but it's like it just sounds like okay this guy just needs something like summit to like show like different scenarios and show like totally. you know play around with it and like show show his investors like you know this is what happens if this happens and if we tweak this thing like then this happens and yeah oh man you're making more and also like another thing they talked about was like over time like being able to prove that you reach your goals and you're getting better and better at budgeting and it's like that I know that you're working on that right now, like proving that stuff like that and yeah. showing your metrics around like how good you're actually at forecasting. That's and right. That is it was really interesting to listen to. I'm, that's so, really good. I'm I, sad it's in Danish. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say share it with me, but that's uh, not gonna do any good. Um Yeah. Yeah. Those are those are great. Points. He was using a tool called Excel. Excel. Do we have that in English form? Uh Probably not. Yeah, yeah. No. It's like a niche. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I, whatever. Eight hundred million users. Program. Niche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the most popular no-code solution on the planet. Um, <laughs> that's uh, those are some great points. I mean, proving that you're getting better at forecasting. And one thing I'm realizing with Summit, uh, um, and I guess I'll stop my update there, is that not everybody comes in knowing how to do the modeling, and so I am building kind of these almost like these standalone apps that give people some value, some capability that they wish they had today. But then it also sets them up to do a better model when the time comes. So it's like, oh, you know, we, we don't know how to forecast our revenue yet, but we do need to manage our expenses. Well, okay, yeah. let's, let's look at your bank account and manage your expenses. Or, you know, we don't have a full-blown forecast yet, but I want to understand my customer churn. Cool, let's connect with Stripe and look at your churn. And so I think one kind of product strategy that's emerging for Summit is connecting with a system of record like a Stripe or a um, or, or through Plaid banking, creating some amount of value for the, you know, for a mere mortal, but then having that be kind of an on-ramp to becoming a, a good modeler is yeah. something I'm working on a lot right now. Um, it's kind of interesting how that overlaps with what we just talked about for branch hmm. and um i believe the thing that i was first with recipes and templates but it, i think you were 
you were first with the sweet approach <laughs> to your sass. Yeah. Um, That's which funny. I think is like Moz, uh, Intercom. Like a lot of tools do that actually. Like one of the way, ways that they stand out is by having a lot of different solutions. Bundle HubSpot is a big one. Mm-hmm. And um, what like you talked about recently about how your pricing model still makes sense with all these other tools that you're adding because ultimately like the more events that are generated by all these other tools that you're providing like the more people will have to pay to use summit and the same with branch like i like let's say we launched hosting like i don't like from a like a pricing model standpoint, I don't I don't want to get into hosting because I feel like it's getting commoditized. Like I don't want to get into database merging because it's like people don't really understand like how much they should pay to like have their database merged. Mm-hmm. But the concept of like like you pay when you add more sites and you pay when you run more deployments because you're running builds on our platform. Like that scales and like the more tools we add around your pipeline of like Q&A stuff and just tools that helps you provision new projects and stuff like that also helps you automate more projects and run more deployments and get more value every time you do that. So it all kind of feeds into the same pricing model. Yeah. And I really think it'll actually survive a lot of the stuff that we're thinking about changing or adding right now. Like I think I could see the pricing model survive all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's uh, I think stability is a good smell for a pricing model when you can introduce new things and it doesn't mean you have to change it right like it doesn't feel like if we launch like deployment previews it doesn't feel like we should charge extra for that because if you want to build all your branches like you're going to have more builds yep and you're going to pay more like yes as a result of that you know a good pricing model benefits from you making your users more efficient, powerful, et cetera, right? A good pricing model aligns you and them so that as you make the product better, you make more money, right? It's, yeah. it's a, it's a <laughs> if you're like, I made the product better, so now I have to tax you more. It reminds me of like in Denmark right now, it's really popular with these street food places. There's basically like a big, a big hall or something like that. Um, and then there's like, 20 or 30 different street food stalls um and the people that own the place they they're the only ones that are allowed to sell drinks so they have bars scattered around the place and they only make money from like it's a non-profit from the from like a lease or renting perspective like they they rent out this the 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 booth the the stalls for at break even and then they make money on the drinks, but it's like mm-hmm. the more food people buy, the longer they stay, like the more friends they bring. The thirstier like, they are. Yep. The thirstier they are and the more they drink. So yep. Yep. it's a it's a good pricing model. Yeah, that's right. That's really good. And you don't have to keep adding dimensions to it. You can just no. do things that accelerate it, you know, and that like if you start yeah. to charge the restaurateurs or the chefs or whatever, you'll have less of them mm-hmm. because you're 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 the demand will go down if it if they're charging more um, yeah. naturally, like 
so and that's not in their that's not in their interest like they want as many of them as possible right so the cheaper and easier they can make it for people to sell food at their place the more people will do it and the more people will go there to eat and the more drinks they will drink which you just described a flywheel so yeah the cheaper better more 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 means you only have to tax or monetize one part of a flywheel and if the cheaper the food is, is the more they then, can charge for the drinks. Right, because if if it really is a circle, then you only have to you only have to install the toll booth at one stop in that circle, and then everything yeah. you do forces more people faster through that same toll booth, right? And yeah, that means that yeah, you don't have to install more toll booths. You actually now <laughs> get to have the fun of just like doing more stuff that gets more people to go down that road, right? And yeah. That's like Amazon is in this amazing place now where it's like, oh, we charge for Prime. So what do we do? We just keep making Prime more valuable. It's like now if you have Prime, you can watch videos. Now if you have Prime, you get the shipping. Now if you have Prime, you get this. Now and, and it's like it's just driving everybody to turn Prime into a no-brainer. But they're like they're not charging you more for every single thing that they introduce. They're just bundling it in the Prime subscription, right? Um because then people don't feel nickeled and dimed either, which is also awesome. Like going to that place, like just feeling less taxed at every turn generally yeah. makes people feel better about, you know, what they're paying for. It's like, uh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good smell. Um, so back to Summit, I'm, I'm working on this, feeding everything into the central app and feeling, you know, feeling like I need to install this last pillar. But overall, I think my, I'm optimistic that I'll be able to install these last pillars by the end of the year. That's the goal. Nice. Yeah. It's good to be optimistic. What choice do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. In that uh, Bill Gates podcast, it's Bill Gates and Rashida Jones. Oh, wow. uh, From community and other things. Yeah. Um, she asks him um, after COVID, like when all this COVID stuff is over, what the, what what he wants to do first. <laughs> and I love this reply. Uh, was basically, um, he wanted to meet up with Bono and give him big hug because <laughs> he said some people just don't have the same. Um, they just don't burn burn through in the same way on a Zoom call or Microsoft Teams. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> as they do in real life. Oh my god! And Bono is one of them. <laughs> I, I love that he knew that fact. That is, um, I'm a little jealous, but that's really cool. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed the podcast. That's great. I'm, I, I want to listen. And to it's that. about Bill Gates being an optimist. Essentially, it's like the kind of like the concept. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I will give it a listen. Well, man. We'll talk to you later, man. All right. It's been a good pod. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.